Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Back here on Draft Deeper, where he belongs. Someone who was my co-host through many different parts of this draft cycle and has returned to help me break down the most important parts of my big board. It's top 30 time, baby. Part one out of two. We're going to go 30 all the way down to 15. And then we will save the lottery for a part two episode that will air next week. The one and only Tyler Rucker, a.k.a. Backward Violation, is here. Tyler, what's what's going on, man? How, hey, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, <laughs> you know, are, are, you we, ask, are, we, are we tired yet? No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, the coffee intake's about to really turn up another notch the next couple of weeks. Um, what do we got? 18 days? This is unbelievable. We're about to be two weeks away from the NBA draft, so... I'm freaking out. I'm I'm excited. Um, and, and thank you for having me back on Draft Deeper. It feels like I'm coming home every time that you ask me to get on this show. So it feels good. And I'm excited to talk about this big board with you. So so everybody wants to think that I'm crazy that I have my big board done. But really, I mean, there have been some, and I'm talking slight tweaks. Like we we took out two players who I had in my top 60 who they just they they for whatever reason they didn't want to stay in the draft. So I kind of had to just bump some people up. I made a board all the way out to like 80 to 90. So it's not really that big of a deal, but people want to look at me like I'm crazy that I have my board. That's like the, the evaluations are done. Like Rucker, I, I don't know how much you're just kind of like tinkering with your board, like where you want to order people or like, are you still watching a bunch of film now that we're like in the home stretches? Cause I feel like the more film you go back and watch now, you really start to nitpick and you really start to second guess yourself. And this is, this is like a very dangerous time for us when we're actually like making these rankings and trying to tear out players and think about what we would do. Like, I think at this point, if your evaluations aren't done, that's fine, but you have a really strong chance to kind of go in the other direction and like overthink it a little too much. Where, where are you kind of at with, with your board and, and your process right now? Yeah, Nathan, I would be the quickest one to ever tell you that you're crazy and you're you're out of your mind. But no, I, I think, you know, for everyone that was giving you some crap or giving you just a little bit, I think you're you're fine to be done with your big boards right now. Like, it, this is the time of the year where I completely agree. You, you go back, you're watching film, you're basically, you're doing your final, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. You're just trying to make sure, like, okay, this is how I'm feeling about guys, Um I do think you can overthink some stuff this time of the year. You can get in your own head and start to maybe really nitpick, like you're saying. This is the time of the year where I have a, got a range of 10 guys that I'm probably like, hey, they're all going to be in this range on my final big board. Now yeah. let me figure out the order. Like, do I yeah. pr prefer the 17th guy goes two spots lower? Do I prefer someone up a little bit higher? You start... Me personally, I start having battles with like two prospects. I'll get two guys maybe that are both wings that I'm like, okay, why do I like this guy more? Why do I think this guy might be going lower? It's just personal preference, but I think this is the time of the year. You have your guys you think are all first round grades. You have your guys you think are going to go in the second round. Now it's just finally making that list and, and finalizing it, getting to a spot where you're like, this is it. And, and Nathan, you still might the week before the draft be like, hey, I had this guy 20th. I might move him to 19th. Like, it, that's the little movement. I don't think you're going to have someone that's 28th. You're putting 13th all of a sudden. I think it's just we, we have our evaluations. We've been doing them all year. They're finalized now. Now it's just that little tiny nitpicking on your board of like, okay, this one might be up a little bit. This one might be down. But 
nothing drastic this time of the year. Cause now we're, we're also have a final list of who is in this draft. Obviously we're waiting for the final call on the internet. Yeah. But like, guys, or, but... or like, or like Usman Jang and Nikola Jovic are like, are they really going to pull out of the draft? Exactly. This point? Like I, I, I don't expect that. I think, I think if anything, some of the guys who I might've had in the international class, like in the 50 to 80 range, I think some of those guys might pull out. We, we don't know what, what Spaniolo is going to do. We don't know what Sosa is going to do. Like, those are some of the guys I have questions about. I think Jovic and, and Jang, two guys who I have in my top 30 who will cover across both episodes of the series. Like, I, I think those guys are pretty safe to stay in. Yeah, especially the guys that you're talking about. Like, you're, you rarely get the real humongous international curveball of someone projecting to be a top 20 pick all of a sudden withdraws. It's usually a guy. The only right time that board. happened, I think, was last year with Precaution, right? Right, like that right. was That's the only curveball I think that I can really remember. I was thrown off that late in the process. Like, oh, okay, I got to I gotta scramble a little bit. But even even by that point, I don't know where you were at when, when he pulled out. But, like, he wasn't even a top 30 guy for me at that point. Like, no. I wasn't in on him. So He, he was a, an early second-round potential guy for me. And when I had asked around the league when he was going through workouts, people were like, hey, he, he's got some upside, but he's got a while to go. So it – it wasn't too much of a shocker from the buzz I had gotten, but this year you're not really even getting guys like that in the international class that it's like, he might be a potential guy that withdraws. I think it's the guys you're talking about, like Yannick, Spagnolo. those guys are, are probably still going to keep their name in, but we'll, we'll see what happens with the deadline. So there was only one player in my top 30 when I had this crafted who ended up pulling out on by, by the June deadline. That would be Terquavion Smith. I think threw everybody a little bit of a curveball pulling out of the draft. He's the one guy who we won't go deep on him because he's not he's not ranked on this board. Not that we're going deep on any of these prospects. I mean, we're, we're giving general reactions. I want you to help me talk through some things, but we've talked about all these prospects to death, which is why on the last episode of my big board series, 60 to 31, I kind of just flew through a bunch of guys. I really just want to set the scene for where I'm at for my audience and I'm assuming that you'll you'll help me do the same but Terquavion any any thoughts that you want to give about him pulling out of the draft did that catch you by surprise as much as everybody kind of it did for them on social media I was definitely a little surprised because I thought he just had one of the best pre-draft process of any prospect this year he was just sizzling when it came to his stock when you're talking about the the rise he was having up some boards. People were saying he looks like he's now like a lock to go in the first round, but it's also like, it's awesome. This is what I love with some of these guys where they had all this momentum and they said, you know what? I believe in myself. I'm going to bet on myself to go back another year, work on my craft, maybe develop some more parts of my game. Maybe he goes back and puts on some additional weight to his frame and he could really explode with another strong year. So um, my hat's off to Turkavion. I, I easily could have stayed in the draft. Like no one would have batted an eye, but I think it's great that he's going to say, Hey, I'm going to go back for another year. I'm going to work on my craft, develop my game and see if, you know, maybe he, maybe he lights the world on fire and has a Jaden Ivy experience where he's going to the lottery next year. We never know, but it's He's going to be the name we're watching now for 23. We're going to keep an eye on him as a, a returning guy that can all of a sudden explode up some boards. So let's start, let's break down who I have 30 here all the way out to about 27, 26. And let's kind of evaluate these guys and just, I'll I'll just ask you some very basic questions in terms of anybody who you wouldn't have in this first round range, anybody you think, you know, might be a little too low on you, you possibly would have higher. So let's, let's go through some of these names. So at 30, 
I have Payne Watson out of UCLA being just inside the first round on my board at 29. I have Kennedy Chandler out of Tennessee at 28. I have one of the international guys we just mentioned, Nikola Jovic, coming into the back end of the first 27. I have Max Christie out of Michigan State. And then at 26, I have everybody's favorite rising star out of Arizona, Mr. Dalen Terry. So I guess I'll start. Rucker, is there anybody in that 26 to 30 group I just listed off who maybe you think you wouldn't have in the first round at this point? You know, it, this is the, I'm glad you brought me on for this range <laughs> of your big board because this is where stuff gets crazy. Um, you know, th- just depending on your personal preference with this class, because there's just so many names that could go higher than you might have a guy listed at 26, like Dale and Terry could go there. He could go, he could he, go in the lottery. Yeah, at this you never point. know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 going to be awesome. Like this year is going to be complete chaos. So um, just those names you mentioned, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if they all end up in the first round. Um, Jovic is a guy that I've been a little bit lower on as of late, but I have him right, right outside the first. Like I think my last big board, I had him at like 32. Could I see him going to the first? Absolutely. So um, is, the, is there anything about his game that really gives you cause to pause at this point in the process? Because, like, when I I talked about him with Nick mm-hmm. on, on, a, on an episode of Draft Deeper, I brought him on to talk about some of his guys. I wanted him to give the Jovich case. And part of what I said to him is there are some question marks we have about the game, but it's also because there, there are so many of these domestic prospects that I think I have a much better feel on at this point in time. And there's just other bets that I think I'd rather make. I don't even know if me having him this slow is like a knock on his game. I don't know how you feel about it, but like that's that's kind of like where I'm at at having him like 28. It's not that I can't see him return like top 20 value, but I would just rather take swings on some of the guys I have ranked ahead of him. I, I, that's exactly where I'm at. I, I think it's just when you come down to Jovic, there's just some other swings ahead of him that I would probably swing on, like you're talking about. And I like his game. He has some tools you cannot teach. The size, like he measured bigger than we even expected at the combine. He can shoot it. Um, it it's just the versatility. I think he's his, obviously the fit is always important on the draft. But I think when Jovic, you're going to need to be really fit dependent with his role at the next level. And he is just a guy that I, I still believe some team is going to be all in on the tools and the upside. So it would not shock me if he goes in the top 20, goes much earlier um you know some people out there some evaluators that we know and trust they've had them really high on their boards i completely understand that um i'm just more towards the bottom 30 like you are you have them at 28 i think that's a great range um it you know just me thinking of him as a lottery guy i still have a lot of questions for that i would rather be taking on some swings yeah i I mean you know we're, we're talking about guys like Zhang who similar frame with that length and raw upside and, and a young prospect, but Jang's just a guy I think has a lot more game and a lot more tools that I would be gambling on. So Jovic is a little lower on my list, but I, I like where you have him. I think that's a good spot. The Payne Watson ranking. I think that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. It's, yeah. it's if you want to have him in the first round, I think you're probably going to have him as like a back end of the first round guy. You might have him in the early second. He anywhere from like the 25 to 40, 45 range, like he, he could literally go anywhere. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd only be surprised if he went higher than that. Kennedy Chandler at 29. Does that one surprise you a little bit? Because you, 
listen, you've done the deep dive. You've talked about Ty Ty and, and you've gone back and circled on, on Kennedy as well when you were doing some of the finals work for, for No Ceilings TV or YouTube channel. By the way, if you haven't watched any of those wonderful finals videos that we put up, definitely make sure you check out our YouTube channel and you're subscribed. But does that one surprise you a little bit? Would you, would you be angling to, to possibly take a swing on somebody like Kennedy a little higher? You know what? I like it. I, I like the range that you have him in. Um, the thing with Kennedy that I, it's, again, another guy, just fit dependent. If some team is saying we need a rotational guard with some upside, I think Kennedy could give that. Um, the whole year, it was just everyone thought there was this humongous difference between Ty Ty and Kennedy. And I think it's a little bit more narrow than now that we've evaluated the full slate. Like I think Kennedy has some, some really good upside. He's got some game now he's, he's, he's undersized, you know, he's going to be six foot six, one, um, little thin frame, but he, he's stocky. He competes. He plays good defense. I love that you have him in your top 30. I absolutely loved it. I mean, when you showed me the list and I saw that, I was like, <laughs> thank you, Nathan. I, I love that you're finally drinking the Kool-Aid with me, but he's just one of those guys. I like the way he plays and, and his change of gears. And, you know, it, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I think just because he's undersized shouldn't be a reason that, you know, we're thinking he can't carve out a long career in the NBA. So um, I still think someone's going to take him in the first round because they're going to see the long-term upside with the value. And that's really important when you get to this range we're talking about. If you could get a Kennedy Chandler at 26, 27, um, and, and he carves out a long career as a rotation guy, that's great value. You know, it, they don't all have to be, you know, starters or all-stars. Like if you get a guy that sticks, that's that's really good value in the draft. So. I like that. I mean, I'm looking at this list and I'm impressed, Nathan. I love it. I'm proud of you. I, and I know you and I aren't really people who we don't let Intel drastically swing mm -hmm. our way of thinking and how we're ranking guys. But when, when I had Babcock on, Matt Babcock um, from Basketball News, and he said that the, the two biggest takeaways from him coming on my podcast, it, it's funny. I, I peppered him with questions the first time he came on months ago about the point guards. And then, of course, my two biggest takeaways are about those damn point guards. When he <laughs> said that Ty Ty wouldn't get out of the lottery. And he also thought that there was a strong chance that Kenny Chandler doesn't make it out of the top 20. That, that did kind of change my thinking a little bit because I was leaning towards, you know, Ty Ty being even a little bit further back on my board than where I have him, which we'll get into in a second. But I also was leaning towards having Kennedy Chandler as like a, like an early second round guy, like in the 31 to 35 range. And I think it's more so just what I talked about when I led into the 60 to 31 big board podcast that I released last week. It's just me prioritizing other positions of need rather than, you know, looking at these point guards and saying, well, a team I want to draft a point guard. Well, that doesn't mean I'm going to rank them higher on my board. This is my personal big board. This is what I would rather take swings on. And if I don't feel that they're at the level where I truly believe they're crossing the threshold of being a starting point guard in the NBA, I'm not going to prioritize them over guys who are playing the two through four that I know have better bets, in my opinion, to be long-term starters. Like, I get that Kennedy Chandler might be a good backup in the NBA for a long time, but like, Somebody just a few spots up higher, like a Dalen Terry, for example, I think is a much better outlook to being a starter in the league. Now, I have him at 26, and I, I actually wanted to get some of your thoughts on, on Terry. I have him a little lower than some people might or where he might go in the draft at this point, just because I think the offense is still kind of coming around for him. I don't think he's going to be ready to contribute at a high level offensively when he comes in. 
but six, seven can move the ball, can pass the ball, can defend one through three. At least that's what we're projecting at the NBA level. Like to me, that's a more useful guy to take higher up in the first round than somebody who's locked into a position who we don't even know if he's definitely going to be like a long-term starter in the league. So that's just kind of how I view it. Yeah, it is really important this time of the year um, and, and going into every draft class is to evaluate these guys. You have to realize what is the, what's the position strength in the class and, and the point guard class has just been disappointing. It, it's yeah. not as strong as other years. So that's why it's so easy when we're making our big boards, we're evaluating these guys to prioritize wings and forwards because it's like, there's more depth, there's more strength in that overall position. So, you know, going off of what Matt says, like if Kennedy Chandler went in the top 20, if Ty Ty didn't get out of the lottery, I wouldn't be shocked because yeah. some team could trade up also that we're not even talking about and be like, we need a point guard. Ty Ty's there at 13. Maybe we want to get up and, and try to draft him. And some team might want to wing in that spot. And they're like, hey, we're comfortable moving back because there's depth. Um, the guy like Dale and Terry you're talking about, I've, I love him and I'm in complete agreement with you. I could see him going earlier because there's the long-term upside and versatility to be a more dynamic weapon, but some team just needs to say like, okay, we're drafting him to slowly bring him along. It's the Josh Primo effect. It's we see the long-term upside and Dalen Terry is going to fall into that, you know, the pre-draft. See, you made me say it already, Nathan, and I'm back <laughs> on draft deeper. Um, but uh, Terry, I could easily see um, going very early. It would not shock me if he somehow ends up in the lottery and someone's just drunk in love because I'm probably going to have him around 20 and I could see him going much earlier because this is a guy that is, if he went back to college, like we were expecting, he probably would have been a lottery pick next year. So someone's going to see that upside with the size, the length and, and the defensive ability. I, oh God, him going to the lottery. That, wouldn't that be wild? I mean, I, I, I guess we're kind of expecting just absolute pure chaos on, on yeah. draft night, but I keep thinking about fits. Like if he does get inside the top 20, like where could he possibly fit? Like I think Houston at 17 makes yeah. a ton of sense because he's kind of like, he's one of those guards. You can bring him in off the bench. You kind of know what he's going to be early on in his career. As we talked about like a real defensive guy, right. And, and a ball mover. I think he would play well next to Jalen Green, maybe cover a few spots defensively where you don't want Jalen Green covering quite yet. And he'd be a better option on that than somebody like Porter. Like you have Porter in the starting lineup is more of like, you want him and Green to be kind of your offensive combination. Then you can bring in Terry depending on the matchup, similar to your good old Boston Celtics. Yeah. Like to mix and match their lineups. And they, we, we know Marcus Smart's been a starter. He's, he's first of all, the, the, the career that he's had has been freaking awesome to watch. But now you really see Mayudoka just kind of tinkering with different lineups and, and smartly, no, no pun intended, smart, <laughs> smartly deploying Marcus at different points throughout the game and strategically playing offense and defense. And I could really see Dale and Terry used in the same way. Maybe that's why you take a swing on him in the top one. The NBA is a copycat league. And if, teams watching the Celtics with how smart has all of a sudden become this versatile weapon. Like he's got size at six, four and he's stocky, but now they're going to be looking and being like, okay, well, if we could get a guard with bigger size, like, and I know I'm talking, I just went on a rant for Kennedy Chandler, but I'm just talking like if you could get those defensive weapons to be your starting point guard or, or give extended minutes, 
the league loves versatility and that they're going to keep looking at Dalen yeah. Terry and being like, he has the potential to lock down ones and twos, but also switch on to threes and there's offensive upside. So you can tinker with him and put him in so many different lineups and you're talking defensive switchability. That's why I still believe he's going to be drooling. Like front offices are going to be going crazy for him. And that's why he's probably keeping his name in the draft because he's got the feedback. Teams are in love. Teams are probably getting really excited about potentially, you know, quote reaching for him, but it would not shock me anywhere he goes. Cause I do think teams are going to be obsessed with the tools, the intangibles, he plays with passion and he can carry a team on just, you know, making a one sequence in a game where it's a, a diving for a loose ball, getting up, throwing an assist to a teammate in yeah. a dunk. And it's like Dalen Terry made that happen and, and it swings the whole momentum. So um, I definitely think he's a top 30 guy. I could see him going in the top 20 on draft night pretty yeah. easily. So, so can I at this point. So moving on a little bit, 25, I have Marshawn Beauchamp out of the G League Ignite that set set a little too high nowadays there, there are people that, that want to keep pushing him down boards but I he may not have the same upside as some of these guys but I can't see him not returning like top 25 value like I, I really can't like I just think he's he's going to find a way to not only stick on a team but I think he's going to be a starter down the road for an NBA team and it's just the more that I see the improvements that he's made to his game going back and watching the second half of the year G League Ignite film and the same that I've done to evaluate Dyson Daniels and Jane Hardy. And I just look at what Beauchamp was able to do on film. Like that one, two dribble pull-up was really coming around for him. He's gotten much better as a corner three-point shooter. We know what he can do on the defensive end is kind of like a rover and like a double teamer and a steals guy. Like, and then the athleticism, the, how the, he's one of the better transition players in this class. Like I there are things that he can't do. There are things that you don't want him to do, but I just think that everything that he does do on an NBA floor at that position is starter level. And that's why I just, I can't knock him out of my top 25. Where are you, where are you at on Bochin? He's, he's puzzling me right now. Cause I've loved them all year. Um, me and Tyler Metcalf on the no ceilings podcast. We, we recently just talked about Bochamp and we were like, we were puzzled because we were Matt, like, Metcalf wants to take us to task about Beauchamp. It, it's just, it's tough because um, we had like a, a therapy vent session. Like if, I feel like we we're, I was sitting on a couch talking to Metcalf. Cause I was like, I love Beauchamp, but I just keep moving him down and it's nothing against, it's not like I watched this film and I was like, no, it was just, I keep seeing guys behind him that I'm watching more of now. And I'm like, yeah, I would swing on his upside. I would swing on his upside, but. I'm like you. I, I still think someone's going to love his game. A playoff team could jump all over him. Um, someone like Denver in that range where it's like, hey, we need a spark off the bench. We need a guy that really can, can do some good things and know his role and buy yeah. into his role and play it at a high level. And that's going to be Bochamp. Um, I know he's going to be a little you know, older than some of these prospects, but I still think his game is exactly what these playoff teams need to keep moving forward like get another kind of a, a swiss army knife off your bench that's just going to play hard he's going to a garbage man and, and you saw that this year with the g league ignite he does a lot of stuff where it's keeping possessions alive um, making really good defensive sequences like he's got versatility plays with his hair on fire i, I yeah. really really like him i i love the boldness of that rank because every time i make a big board i'm looking at him i'm like I love him. Why am I keeping him out of my top 30? Like this is a guy that should go in the first round. So 
I like it. I, I like the boldness. I like that you're, you're holding your ground, Nathan. I'm proud of you. Speaking of bold, at this point at 24, having Patrick Baldwin still in the first round seems like, man, what are you doing? There, there's a lot of people who have started to drop him out of the first round. There are outcomes that, that, that really scare me. Like, if all he is is some version of Ryan Anderson, and that's really all we're going to get out of him, you're really going to take that ahead of somebody like Dale and Terry or ahead of somebody like Beauchamp, guys who you project to be able to do a little bit more in the open court, do a little bit more defensively, obviously. Or are we going to bet that that guy who was once projected in the top 10 is still there? Somebody who is not only just a lethal shooter, but can also be a little versatile on the defensive end, who can cover a lot of ground, who can play make out of pick and roll and can handle the ball in those situations. Like, but we, we haven't really talked about Baldwin much and, and no ceilings, even behind that. I'm not just talking podcasts and videos, like even like us in the group chat, we haven't really been talking about Baldwin. So like, where, where are you kind of at on him that at, at this point, like, are, are you as puzzled about where to rank him at this point, especially after the combine stuff as I am? You know, it, it's weird because I understand everyone's been moving him down. Everyone's reacting to the combine athletics testing and stuff, but you know, I, I still just come to the point where I, I think someone's going to believe in him, even in the first round. Like, I think you get to a point in the 20 to 30 range where you're like, Hey, this is worth the gamble at, at this part of the draft. And I know he's a great shooter. I know he's got good size. I keep coming around to the playmaking ability that I really think could fascinate teams where if a playoff team drafts him and they don't need him to be the guy, but he could be your third or fourth piece that I saw, I saw some high school film. I remember watching it where like he was dropping dimes out of pick and roll. Yeah. Like a six ten guy dropping. I'm not just talking like making easy, like dropping dimes yes. out of the pick and roll. It's like, where, where did that guy go? Like, why yeah. didn't we ever see anything of that guy? Forget just like the shooting and like the, you know, the, the dribble, 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 step back score. Like where did that guy go? That's what I want to know. And you see flashes of it this year at Milwaukee. Even if it was a nightmare year, you see those flashes. He makes some passes where you're like, my goodness, like this is, why are we not talking about this more often? Um, our own Ever, Evan Wheeler at No Ceilings, he wrote a piece talking about like he did. Baldwin and the vibes of Tony Kukoc. And it was funny because when he told me he was going to do that, I was like, whoa, that is a heck of a like name drop. And then I, I watched him and I, I read Evan's article and I was like, yeah, like the, he has that playmaking vision and feel. So what I'm coming to is like, yeah, he might not have tested awesome athletically, but he's 6'10". And yeah. yeah, he had a bad year, but he could shoot the crap out of the ball. And yeah, he might not be the guy, but he also could be a fantastic system fit where it's like he could get the ball, read and make awesome passes, has that vision. He's the most fascinating, polarizing prospect, I think, in this draft because you just keep saying, like, it should work because he has a gorgeous shot at 6'10". And then you see the year and you're like, oh. And then you all of a sudden see the playmaking and you're like, well, look at this. And you just go back and forth. So I'm still going to have him as a top 30 guy. Like, I, I, I can't. I can't not do that. So like, I love your rate. Having him at 24, I think is great because that's the part of this draft where it's like, yes, just if he's there, you have to say if, if the interviews if teams got in front of him, they liked how he was as a kid and everything else checks out. Yeah. I absolutely still think he's a first round pick regardless of the nightmare. We saw Zaire Williams go 10th. He had one of the most, 
disgusting college film years of all time. It was just like all over the place. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, even after his nightmare year at Washington, he still went in the still, first still round. Still in the first round, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I I love it. I'm I'm impressed. Thank you for standing your ground for the PB and J hive. I appreciate it. Well, you're not going to thank me for standing my ground for the next guy. No, I mean I saw the next. This next three is about to give me a stroke. So <laughs> thanks for everyone listening to me all year. I appreciate it. <laughs> at 23. The most divisive guy. Mm-hmm. Is he the most divisive guy at No Ceilings? I think so. Probably. I mean, pe- people get really angry when we bring up the name Blake Wesley in, in, in the group chat. I, I understand why. I understand why. Some of the offense is absolute ugliness. And what really makes me think, though, is that some of the more complicated things on the basketball court he's shown proficiency at doing not just like a few flashes here and there, but like he's had, he had big moments for that Notre Dame team where he hit some shots where we wouldn't expect somebody his age to be able to hit or he'll, he'll make plays or passes where we wouldn't expect him to do those things given his role and how new he was to just coming in and playing the point guard position. But then it's some of the easy stuff that he just can't do like open spot up threes are just not there for him right now because of where his shots at mechanically from, from a set shot. He's much more comfortable at getting himself going off the bounce, getting a few one, two dribbles, pulling up into it. That's where he's much more comfortable. Scores mindset, not a, not a shooter. Um, he, he's a scorer, not a shooter. And, but I just, again, I come back to the things that I wouldn't expect him to be able to do. He does them. And then defensively, the kid's an absolute nightmare defensively. Holy cow. This, that kid really works on the defensive end. He'll, he'll do some dumb stuff on the defensive end every once in a while. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he'll make some boneheaded mistakes, but a lot of young players make boneheaded mistakes. But the bones that he has to play somebody one-on-one on the defensive end and how he can just stick with guys at his size, with his foot speed and his athleticism, and then you go back to the tough shot-making ability that he has – he just needs the right person to work with him on his set shooting mechanics. And we're talking about a whole different player unleashed, especially as he continues to just learn those pick and roll progressions through his first few years in the league, which we've heard coaches say time and time again, sometimes it's much easier to teach somebody the, pl- the passes to make out of the pick and roll than it is to teach them some of the other nuances about scoring out of those play types or some of the other things that um, he brings to the table on top of the athleticism, which obviously isn't a, a learned skill. It's a natural God-given talent. He has things that some of these other guys don't. And that's why I have him at 23 and why I wouldn't have him out of the first round. Now, I've said a lot of good things about him because we have question marks about what he's going to do immediately in day one in the NBA. That's why I have him at 23. It's why I don't have him as high as, I mean, he's gotten lottery buzz at different points throughout the year. I have him where I do. Where, where are you personally at on Blake Wesley? I know that he, it's, he's kind of like your own personal hell in terms of where, where to figure out where to put him, but like, where, where are you at on him at this point? Yeah. So this is, it's tying perfectly into what we talked about in the beginning of the year. Like you, you, you have your grasp on a majority of the guys when it comes to your evaluations. And then you start, this is the time of the year I focus on guys I've been struggling with all year. Cause I'm like, let, I know the general idea with all of the big guys. Let me focus on who I've been, really puzzled about and Blake Wesley's been this guy um I've been watching a lot of his film lately I'm I'm warming up like this is now I'm like okay I'm starting to see it I understand what everyone's buzzing about I get it because now I'm really focusing like now I'm really locked in 
um, because I don't want to be on draft night still confused about a guy. I want to have a clear mind. Blake Wesley has all the talent. I, I've been harder on him the whole year. Like, I've been like, hey, I, I'm a little lower on this guy. I don't really see it. He has all the tools. Like, if you go watch the game at Illinois and you just only watch that game, you'd be like, oh, gosh, this is a lottery pick easily because he just took over. He was impressive. He scored in so many different ways. I think what's really having me warm up to him is exactly what you hinted about, his defensive ability. He's got some special tools there. That, kid, that kid's defense is real. Yes. It's, it's legit. He's got active hands. He can, um, he can read passing lanes beautifully. Like that's where he's going to probably earn his keep early on in his career to, to get some consistent minutes. It's just the fit. It, it, it really is because I think of him more as at the next level as probably being a, an off guard. Like I know he has, he showed at Notre Dame, he can be a guy that you give the ball in his hands. He's dangerous playmaker. He's a combo. He's a yes. combo. He's not a he's a, combo. he's a combo. Yeah. Yes. So all I'm saying is you got to get through the draft and you have to go team by team and be like, would they draft Blake Wesley to be this? Do they have a role for him? Some team eventually is going to probably get to a point where they're saying, we'll figure out a role for him. But I'll, I just I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I'll tell you what I, and I know they're going to trade that damn pick. I know they're not going to keep it because Daryl Moore is just going to, he's going to try to find some, well, I, I saw the report about like, we're going to flip it for Alec Burks. And I wanted to, I wanted to just like melt down on my chair. When, when I, I ain't buying that. that. Nope. <laughs> you, you ain't getting me to buy that this time of the year. But if they did sit there and somebody like him would be available at 23 and you, you're not, he's not in a pressured environment in terms of like, we got to develop him to come in and play like right away. Like they'll, they'll find other guys to play ahead of him. It's, it's a real playoff contending team. And there are other guys who can step up, but you want to talk about the future where you could have him and Jane Springer in the same backcourt, like, oh, good God, they, they could give opposing backcourts nightmares defensively. And it, if one of them is able to pop, like we thought they could before the draft, each respective draft offensively, like now they're really building on something where you got, you got three guards when you talk about those two and Maxi, where you're, you're just set in the backcourt for the future. And now you fill out some of the other pieces around and bead, which we, we know the 76ers need wings, but like, that's a team I could see taking a swing on somebody like Blake Wesley. Hundred percent, but, but but that's going to my point of I I've heard the buzz like you of the lottery. We've heard it a lot, and every time I hear it, I'm like, come on, like why are you lying to me? Like don't who's gonna I'm take? Good, I don't. I, I look at the lottery teams. I don't know who's gonna take it. I've gone to Nathan. I do this every <laughs> night before I go to bed. I look at the top lottery and I go, who the heck is the Blake Wesley team? If this because it's not like I'm hearing it once. I've heard it multiple times, and I'm like. Who the heck is it? Like, stand up. Like, I want. Who is the real Slim Shady? Like, someone has to tell me because I go through every team and I'm like, I get the upside, but who is at that point of saying like, oh, well, he'll be fine early on? Like, because there's just too many guys I think in that top ten that could contribute, and I'm I'm even saying lottery. So, um, but my point is, I've said all year, if Blake Wesley went later to a team like Philly. I love the idea of him going to Philly. That would be a perfect fit because he's not going to be expected to play over James Harden and him and Maxi together off the bench, those combo in the backcourt. Beautiful. I would love that. Like Wesley takes the defensive matchup that Maxi gets because Max is not playing defense right now. And and vice versa, you know, Max is carrying the offensive load that Blake Wesley's not carrying right now. That'd be perfect. Yes. Hundred percent, and you can 
it's funny because when you get to that 20 range with a lot of these prospects, you're like, I could talk myself into him, but it's like early in the lottery. And the Memphis Grizzlies. I could see the Grizzlies taking a swing on him. A hundred percent. Yes. I, those are my favorite fits for him. It, Philly, when they said, we'll take the pick this year or, or whatever it was, Brooklyn saying, we don't want it this year. We'll give it to Philly. I was like, oh, there's Blake Wesley target area. And then I was like, Memphis still is one of my favorite, you know, even maybe you get to Miami. I don't know. But, but I just think, the, the talent is there with Blake Wesley. He just needs to get rid of some bad habits. And, and that's coming from playing for a team where they were like, carry us. We need your offense. Carry us to the promised land. So the situation needs to come into the evaluation. And I've been hard on him all year about it. And, and you also have to look and be like, well, is he going to be better when he's around other talent? And he doesn't have to be scoring 20 a game. Possibly, but the defense is what makes me buy back into him. Every time I watch him defensively, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm, I, I see it. I understand the buzz. I don't, I don't think he makes it past the Bucks at 24. Because speaking of speaking of teams who could be really, that's like the trio of teams. Because then the Bucks, if he falls to 24, you could sell yourself on. Well, we already got the perfect mentor for this kid. We got Drew Holiday, and the, like Blake Wesley at his best. He's probably like a Drew Holiday type of clone, right? Like, we want to say those things about Dale and Terry for a lot of similar reasons. But, like, you look at Blake Wesley. Like, Blake Wesley's probably, like, a little more athletic version of, like, a Drew Holiday. If, if everything breaks right for him. There, there's a lot that's got to break right for that to happen. But, like, that's that's what we start talking ourselves into. And in terms of, like, mentors, what better mentor to have in front of you than Drew Holiday? So, yeah. I think that, that's probably, like, the floor for me. A hundred percent. I mean, Milwaukee's going to be in a good spot where if they want to get some depth, they might have a chance to add some really good uh, <laughs> pieces so behind Drew Holiday. Dude, these 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 teams in the late first round out to like forty and forty five, like there are going to be multiple teams that strike gold. Yes, with, with some of these players that are available. Um, so speaking of somebody else who's also divisive for just me having him this low. Like, I think this would surprise a lot of people to hear that I have Ty Ty Washington at 22 right now on my board. And that, at what, before the Babcock pod, that was lower. I had him at like 26. And then when I heard Matt say that, I'm like, All right, I got to move him up a, a little bit. And I wanted to move him up even further, but I look at the names I have in front of him that we'll talk about. And there's just bets at different positions that I just, I'm not sure if Ty Ty is going to get there as like a starting guard. I think if he's going to get there as a starting guard, it has to be next to the right player. It has to be next to the right bigger initiator who will kind of let him play off the ball a little bit, mix in those on ball touches, but really he's there to look for scoring opportunities. You're leaving him out there to be a spot up shooter. Like those are more of the things that you're building into. And then you're kind of having him come off screens, work a little bit of a two man game, get going downhill, get to the floater. You're setting him up more so to score though to play make and I understand he had the 17 assist game where he showed all the passing vision I think the thing that I come back to Tyler is that we really only had one stretch of like four or five games that we looked at Ty Ty and we're like all right this is the guy we we wanted to buy into like early on in the year when we had him as like a top 10 pick because he came in he was slow to start the year not that he was slow in terms of like his his ability and his efficiency but he just wasn't assertive at the like through like the first 10 or 12 games on the year. Then he had that stretch where it seemed like, okay, this is going to be the guy that we thought he was going to be. And everybody was mocking him like top 10, top 11. 
And then he got hurt. And then he had to come back from the injury. And he was just never the same player. So do you think there's more ability there that, that I'm just like selling a really low on him and I should have him higher than 22? Or are you kind of in the same boat as I am where it's like, if this guy's not taking over and he's kind of just going to be there on the court, like wouldn't you rather make bets at other positions? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I think you're going to end up having him higher than me, to be honest. Um, and it's nothing against him. I, I think he could really play. I think like this is we did a mock with um, Alex from those ceilings on our, our latest podcast. And we did a mock draft and, and Ty Ty went to the Bucks, and we all were like, "Ooh, if he if he fell there, that's a good fit for him. Like, it that is. would be nice. That Speaking would be of true holiday as a mentor. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's where like that's the type of rotation asset they need where he could play smart. He understands how to get to his spots. He can shoot. He's got a good feel for the game. There's just areas with Ty Ty that I can't buy into like him as a potential top 15, 16 guy in this draft. And because it's just, I'm like you, I, he's going to be a good basketball player. He's going to play a long time. I just don't know if he's yeah, we got, we got him ranked in the first round. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I just don't know if he's a starter. I, and it's nothing against Ty Ty. I just don't know. That's the problem with this point guard class. There's not a lot of like star upside. And I think Ty Ty could be a very, very good player in the NBA for years. I just don't know if a team's ever going to be like, we're giving Ty Ty the keys to our offense to run everything. They might, because it's a fit dependent. If he goes to Milwaukee and plays behind Drew Holiday for three years. And all of a sudden at a point, they're like, hey, Ty Ty's ready. Like, well, we got him, Chris Middleton, Giannis, who knows? If he's not knocking down shots, what's he doing? That's that's the other there thing we come back to, too. What's he there doing? It is. I mean, he, he, I think he's got a little bit underrated ability defensively, but it's not something that I'm like, oh. He's not a stopper. Yeah. Like, I, I like Kennedy. Like, I, I, I like think, I think he's got more – I think Ty Ty's got more offense in his game right now than Dale and Terry, for example, which is yes. why I would have him ranked higher. But Dale and Terry – Dale and Terry's game isn't predicated on, on making shots, which is why I think you could talk yourself into him going in the draft in, like, the top 20 versus somebody like Ty Ty to where his game is tied to his shot making. And if he's not tied to shooting, like, he's not knocking down those shots, what else is he doing on the floor? At least with Dale and Terry, I mean – the guy's so incredibly active. Like he plays with energy. He gives a shit. We don't hear those same stories. It's funny enough about Ty Ty. And like, I keep coming back to, if I have Ty Ty in this, this like range that I have him anywhere from like 22 to 26, am I going to get burned for having him this low? Like I got burned with, with Maxi having Maxi that low. The difference between him and Maxi though is like, Maxi at least had all the stories that we heard about. Like he started the breakfast club in Kentucky. Like this dude was in the gym working out consistently, like every single day at 6 a.m. We hear any of those stories about Ty Ty? I, yeah. I, I haven't heard those things about him. So it's like if we see him kind of drift and, and separate from everybody else on the floor, we don't hear some of those same stories off the floor. I just, I just got questions. I got questions. I, I don't I think know. that's going to come back to Burnley. No, I got a lot of questions. And I, like we always say, we're never rooting against these guys. I, oh. Kennedy and Ty Ty, here's my biggest difference. Like, obviously, if Ty Ty's like your third or fourth guard on your team, like, same with Kennedy, like, you're probably going to be in a good spot. Yeah. Like, with either of those guys. Ty Ty has like, Ty Ty's shifty, but he has like three gears. And I think at the next level, 
he's got to use, he's got to learn to use hesitations and, and counters way better because that his last gear, I think defenders are going to be able to get caught up to him pretty quick, like quick defenders. The thing with Kennedy that makes it why I'm higher on Kennedy than Ty Ty is Kennedy has like six gears that he can, he can go turbo mode, stop yeah. on a dime and then go again. And that's tough to deal with, even if he's smaller. Ty Ty could go to the right team and be a really, really good piece because he might be, like you're saying, that that fourth guard, that fourth piece where it's like he doesn't have to carry the load. He just has to run, make things run smooth. Like Ty Ty could be a sixth man of the year guy. And it would not shock me if he went to the right team. Um, I just don't like the lottery is pretty rich for me because there's just guys ahead of him that I would be saying have more upside, more potential. Um, but I like how he plays. I, I'm just thinking of him as a top 14 pick is, is rich for me, but someone could buy in and it would not shock me. But for now, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with where you got him on your big board. I, I think that's a good one. And this 20 to 30 range, I mean, I could sort these guys in any which way. Any like, order. And it, I would it, not have, I would have been like, yeah, I get it. I understand. It's a weird year. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's a really weird year. Um, like a 21, like EJ Liddell. Yeah. I, could, I could have him 20. I could have him towards the back end of the first round. I think at this point, we're very comfortable with this game to where we would want to have him close to the lottery than we would the back end of the first round. But like, he could go anywhere in the draft. Like I've seen him mocked ahead of teams like Chicago, Minnesota. We've seen a mock to Chicago, Minnesota. We've seen a mock at the end of the first round. Like that's the range that a lot of these guys have. And it's crazy, but I have EJ at 21. I feel pretty confident about the player that I'm going to get. I don't think I see the same upside as some of us at no ceilings do in terms of having him close to the lottery. I think like, if you get him in like the 18 to 21 range, like I think that's, that's good value for somebody like EJ Liddell for what you're going to get defensively and then what he can do offensively. I don't, I don't know if there's more there to unlock offensively, but I think like getting a rotational piece like him at 21, I think that's fair value. Is there any, any, any which way you want to go on EJ Liddell higher low or just right? No, I was, you know, I was a little shocked you had him at 21. Um, but I understand it. And this is all, I'm going to explain where I have them and then make fun of myself and say why you might be smarter than me. So um, I had him on my last big board. I have to update it tonight, but um, I had him around 15, 16. Um, but here's my problem. This is why I might be dumb this year is because I always have such a fear for the undersized power forward and EJ's six, seven around two forty. He, but he can play and he's got pop and he, he makes up for it in a lot of areas, but I'm always still nervous about that. I could see on my updated big board. I have him down a little bit lower um, towards your spot. Like I could see me having him around 18, 17. He's the guy I think will could shock us on draft night and go in the lottery somehow. Like he, I could see him going like, 13, 14, 15. Because Cleveland could realistically take him, even though they have just like a shit ton of big guys. Like they could still look at him and be like, we're really going to let this guy slip out of the lottery. Like we don't have another pick in the range that he's going to go. And like, are we really just going to let him walk out? Like. It, it's, it's weird. Cause I, I feel like he's going to interview. Well, he's going to have a plenty of like Charlotte. I can't get out of my head for some reason. I feel like they might just be like, Hey, we're taking him," even though they got PJ Washington. I don't know if they're going to try to move him or what's going on. But um, he's, he's definitely one of those wild cards I'm going to be watching on the draft because I'm like, that's the name I feel like we'll get like a, uh, someone telling us some buzz like the week or week before 
on EJ Liddell and I'll be like, whoa, okay. But um, like you're saying, I still think my favorite spots for him are around like 18, 18, 19 range. So it wouldn't shock me if he, he ends up later in the first round. Um, because there's just like exactly what you're saying, Nathan, like you're bored from 15 to 25. You could put those guys in a different order and it, it would not shock me. Um, or even 15 to 20, like 15 to 21. Like, it's just crazy. So yeah, I, I understand where you have them. Are you just, are you concerned about like undersized or do you think it's just, you know what he is? Like you're saying, like, just know what he is and he might not have like two more levels to his game. Is so is, is he really going to be a lights out shooter in the league? And is he really going to be able to bully guys in the post and operate scoring out of the post in the same ways in the NBA that he did in college? Or is that right. really going to be a play type where teams want to funnel in the ball down there? You know what I mean? Like right. him and Keegan Murray are very similar players in terms of style, but Keegan is just so more efficient at basically everything that he want him to do than, than EJ. And I also trust Keegan more defensively, like levels more defensively than I do EJ. I think, I think EJ is, EJ is like a poor man's Keegan Murray in a lot of ways. And if you still really value that type of player, regardless of the ceiling, not being as high as Keegan, that's just the kind of player you want to get. I understand drafting him where, where you kind of have him, or if he does go in like that, that league lottery, like I, I get that argument, but that outcome there are just some more bets that I would like to make from some of the guys that have ranked ahead of him is really, that's really where I'm at personally. Um, speaking of bets, man, this one's good. This one's, this is the one where I'm really like, this is going to come back to bite me in the ass. This is the one I'm, I'm absolutely horrified by having this player here, but I've basically had him in this range all year. Like I keep bringing up Dale and Terry's name on this podcast. Like if there was one move that I would make on this board as we get up there, I might flip the, I might flip Dale and Terry with this guy, Bryce McGowan's at 20. Like that might be like the one move that I make. I think my 19 and on that's that's set in stone. As we talk about like this 20 to 30 range could be any different order. Right. But Bryce McGowan's at 20. This is, this is really rich for some people. Tyler, this kid, this kid's got scoring chops that these other guys just don't have. Like we talk about an offense driven league, right? Where size at certain positions with offensive ability and athleticism, when you're able to intersect at those areas at the wing spot, like guys who can play the two, three, the three, two, whatever, and they can play it up to the ability that this kid potentially can on the offensive end of the floor. That's when you want to draft as an NBA team. Now that outcome is decently far away from happening. I fully recognize if you take Bryce McGowan's top 20, you better not expect him to have top 20 value in his first two years in the league. Cause it's just not going to happen. Even if some of the scoring stuff pops, like we would expect it to a little earlier than expected because of just the natural instincts he has at getting downhill, drawing fouls, getting the free throw line. Even if all that stuff pops, the kid's not going to be able to hold his own defensively for a few years in the league. Like he was that bad in Nebraska. I don't think he was coached well defensively at Nebraska. I know Corey feels the same way after him and I got to watch that game at Rutgers. That end of the floor is not going to be there for him. But as he keeps adding to his body, which he's going to fill out, that's a reason why I wanted to see him in person. He'll be just fine physically. He's got all the scoring instincts and the tools to 
get buckets in efficient ways once he works on a few things at the NBA level. I have few questions about his offensive game, like three years in. And when we start looking at guys who could really be dark horses to get the second contract and stay with the team and really return like top three or four offensive value, I look at Bryce McGowns and I'm like, no, nobody looks to score the basketball lower than him where I have these guys ranked than McGowan's does. And so that's why I'm just like, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to keep him at 20. I'm scared as shit about it, but I'm just going to do it. What do you think? I think he's got as much upside as many of these guys in this class. Um, if, if he clicks and everything comes together, that is a dangerous weapon at the next level. I, I don't think it's that crazy, Nathan. I, my last big board I had in 24th and I already see like two guys I want to move down in, in favor of him. He's one of those. You just keep watching more and more. He's so dang smooth. He's so yeah. impressive. The tools are all there. I think people will look at the three point shot and be scared. And I'm like, no, he can shoot from down from downtown. He just, it's that system. You gotta, you gotta put into consideration the situation he was in. The, the set stuff is actually fine. Like from yeah. three point range, the catch and shoot numbers are fine. It's, it's a lot of the pull-up stuff where he just has, he has a few bad habits. He has to break. He has like one or two things I would probably do to his shot mechanically. And then it's just about continuing to add to the base and get stronger. But like, these are things like if these happen two to three years in, I mean, we're looking at a freaking animal. Like he does some things scoring the ball, man, that really remind me of what Cam Thomas was doing last year. And he, Cam Thomas was a guy who I, I underrated initially. And then I brought him on my board in relative to where he went on draft night. And I think everybody looks back at that draft is like, damn, Cam Thomas should not have went as low as he did to the Nets. Like that's a guy who should have went higher despite some of the defensive concerns. And I, I feel the same way about McGowan's because I feel like Cam Thomas is like an unbelievable, like all time scorer at like the, the levels previous to the NBA where he's been, but just in terms of like how he wants to get his buckets and the approach that he takes offensively, you see some of those same things pop with McGowan's and it just, it, it, it speaks out to me on the film. Yeah, and Cam Thomas was three inches shorter than Bryce McGowan. <laughs> so Bryce McGowan was six seven with yeah. length. Yeah. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like it, he has the tools. He, I'm rooting for him to go later because he's going to go to a better team. If that makes sense, I'm rooting for him to go like past twenty. And, and I'm not saying like, oh, he can't go to the Spurs. I'm just saying like, I'm rooting for him to go in that twenty to thirty range, even if he somehow went to like. I don't think he's going to get out of the first round, but if he somehow ended up like with Toronto, I would be like, Oh boy. Okay. He ended up in a great spot. But I think if he went to a playoff team, that's like patience, just patient with him. He has all this tools. This is a diamond in the rough. We just got to be patient and, and really let him develop because he has, he's so shifty and effortless like when it comes to getting downhill and i'm a sucker his footwork is absolutely tremendous downhill like ridiculous and me and you talked about this early in the year on draft deeper we talked about like skinny guys that live at the free throw line are dangerous because they know how to get to the line they know how to get to the basket they know how to create opportunity to you know that stuff's big like say say mcgowan's is playing and he just can't get a shot to fall he can always just be like i'm gonna get to the line I'm going to, I need to see one go in. I'm going to get to the basket, get, get fouled and go get two at the free throw line. That's stuff's important, especially for thin guys that need to put some weight on when, when they are not afraid to attack and, and live inside the lane, 
that's and when when he learns not just initially coming off the screen but when he gets about two dribbles after that screen up top when he's playing out of pick and roll and he starts to learn how to make those reads those passing reads holy shit man that could be really dangerous and then i'm still a big believer of guys that played in a tough situation when they go to all of a sudden play in a better situation like surrounded by more talent it's just gonna bring out his game so i love mcgowan's i I keep moving him up. He keeps just slowly finding his way to move up one spot on my board. So I, I think 20 is not too crazy. I think that's, that's realistic. And um, the last mock draft we did on no, at no ceilings on the podcast with Alex, like Metcalf had him going 21 to the nuggets. And I was like, Oh, we've never thought of that. That's a good fit. I'd like him there. Like that'd be a fun one, you know? Um, Cause all of a sudden you add him with bones Island. It's like, Whoa, that's some firepower in that. Rotation. I'm not, I, th- I would love for that to happen. I'm not sure new management's going to have no. the balls to take no, somebody like him 21, but <laughs> like it, like if Connolly was still there, like I could absolutely see him taking a swing like that. Yes. You know, that, that man would, that, that man's never going to lose his job. If everywhere he goes at this point, right. all the stuff he has, like he, he's got all the cojones in the world to take somebody like McGowan's, but that would that like that factor notwithstanding, like that would be a good fit for him because there's so many other pieces there. And just God, getting another scorer like him to work off of Jokic, right? Like to uh, like to bring out some of that off ball ability that McGowan's could bring. Like, man, that would be that'd be vicious, man. That'd be absolutely vicious. Holy God. Yes. It'd be dangerous in a hurry. That but that's also just exactly what I'm talking about. Like get past that range where like the late teens, even if he got there or got to like the twenties and, and goes to a team like that, where it's like, okay, he doesn't have to be the guy, but we can let him develop and groom him to be potentially just a weapon for us. Like yeah. even if he ended up in Milwaukee somehow, I'd be like, Oh my goodness. So um I like him. I I keep the more I watch, the more I'm like, yep, I'm gonna buy. Like if I strike out on McGowan's, I'll be like, hey, I'll sleep good at night because I just see the tools and the upside. He's he's the one guy I think I'm yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just scared of shit to take him. No, but. stick to your guns, Nathan. This is all what it's all about. You 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 double down and if you're wrong, right. you say, Hey, I, I was wrong and, and you learn from it. But never be afraid to stick to your guns. And and I you've been on the McGowan's train all year. So all year. All year. So these, these guys ahead of him. So essentially my top 19 guys, I feel great about my order. I feel great about who I have in this group. I'm not moving any of these like that. that this is it. I'm, I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. Um, 19 and we're covering 19 to 15 in the remainder of this podcast. And we'll save the, the lottery for part two, but in 19, I have Ochai Abaji. I know some people have him in the lottery range. I know he could absolutely go that another one of these guys like Harry could be in the 13, 14 range through 15. Like that wouldn't shock me at all. I have him 19. I don't see some of the same offensive upside that some other people do. Like he opened my eyes that very first game of the year in the garden where he, he went to that vicious around the back dribble and he got to the basket. And that was like, Oh man, if he's going to start to unlock some of this stuff with his handle, and then he's going to add some passing reads in there too. Like now, now we're really cooking with gas in terms of like him adding new layers to his game. Um, We didn't see enough of that this year. And it got to the point where he helped Kansas win a national championship for a lot of really good reasons, but it was him doing basically the same things that we know that, that we've known that he could do. And there it's, it's that three and D role. And he's kind of like locked into it in my opinion at this point. 
the, you know, the hitting the open threes, cutting the basket along the baseline, like we know he's going to do, and then he'll be able to guard his position in the backcourt. Because I don't see more of that offensive creativity upside, that's why I have him at 19. But if you want to tell me you're just – you're so sure that he's going to deliver what he can do at such a level to where he can talk himself in the, like, lottery range, I'm not going to knock you for taking him there. That's This is just where I have him in the back end at, at 19. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's about right. Um, I've loved him all year. I, I still think very highly of him, but like I even had him at around 18, my last big board. And it's it's not that I don't think very, very highly of him. I just think he's going to be a guy that a team specifically needs him. I still could see him going in the lottery because some team might be like, we need this. And he is his elite skills are exactly what we need. Like um, we've mocked him to Charlotte at no ceilings. We've mocked him to Cleveland at no ceilings. Like we, that's the consensus is because they, we still believe, like I believe Cleveland could use what his best skill sets are. Um, there, but, there's another guy I think would be a better fit to Cleveland, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I, I agree. I'm warming up <laughs> probably on the same one, but um, you know, I, I like Ochai a lot. I, I think he's, probably the the three and d dream poster child when it comes to like he can really shoot it off movement he can space the floor from deep and he has some versatility defensively but there's still other areas of his game that need some fine tuning um especially when you're talking about like the handles he's shown growth but it just needs to keep progressing that way so um the upperclassmen, I, I could see him going later than we're expecting. I could see someone saying they don't care because they, they like the tools and the intangibles. And um, I am expecting he interviewed and probably was very impressive because we, we saw that years He's before. He's a class act. Yes. So um, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I, I think He's a top 20 guy, but I wouldn't have any argument having him later towards like 20, like where you have him is, is spot on. 18. Tari Eason. Yeah, we need to talk here because you've been you were cool all year, and now you're all of a sudden behind. What do you? I've, I've, I've kind of. No, no, I've I've had him <laughs> in this range for like a long time, man. I I had him as high as sixteen. I have settled on him here at eighteen. I still have all the same questions that I had, and you know what's funny, Rucker? Everybody I talk to who doesn't just live on draft order, like, like every, everybody who I could consider like a quote unquote source or like a sounding board, like behind the scenes, they all have the same questions that I do. Yeah. Every single one of them, the same questions. And it's just, it's really funny how that works. And all those people kind of want to have them in the same range on the board that, that I have them in. Like that's, he, he's the one guy in this range. If he returns top 10 value, like I see how it can happen. I'm not going to bet that that's going to happen. I'm not going to take him in the lottery. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going to be the one to take him in the lottery. I think top 20, like that 17 to 20 range, I think that's great value. If he would fall somehow and he'd get out to like the 21 to 24 range, talk about ridiculous value. But lottery with some of the other options I have in front of him, that's that's too rich for for my blood. Um you still kind of in the same boat with Tari? Yeah. Okay. I uh, I felt pretty strong about my opinion of him all year. And then I started asking around and same questions I had. So I said, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm going to sleep all right stick at night. Stick to your I'm, guns, yeah. Stick to my guns. And, and I'm going to have him as a top 20 guy. But I'm not having him 
trending towards 10. I'm, I'm having him <laughs> trending towards 20. And he's just the guy that I think if he went too early, I could see it being a little worrisome. If he went later, I could see him being what everyone thinks he is. Like it, I still think if he goes somewhere where he doesn't have to be asked to do all this stuff offensively, where he can just be, be a good defender, be a versatile weapon um, that way. If the offense is spaced, he can, he can attack the basket and get downhill and, and finish around. Like he's a great athlete, but he just has a lot of stuff to work on still. So um, yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on with that too. I, I really, I understand when everyone's in love with them. I understand why I get he's got to be coached, man. Like yes. that, that's the biggest thing. He has so many tools that you look at and you're like, wow, if, if these are the boxes he could check, like we're talking about one of the more naturally talented players in the draft, but he also does a lot of things on film. If you actually go back and watch the film, like there's just so many question marks, man. Like, is all of this really going to come together? If he doesn't go to a team that's going to coach a lot of the bad habits out of him defensively, that's going to actually work with him. You know, the, I, I, I get the size that he is, but for some reason, like there's just a lack of physicality there when he gets around the basket. And I've talked about that all year. Like he doesn't have the same natural touch when he goes up against contact, when he goes up against similar size guys as him, like a guy who's feasted in the paint by the numbers. Yet when you actually watch the film, so much of it's just like, he, he got to the rim, he got an open dunk. And like, that's, that's how he finished the basket. Like, that's great. And maybe I've been underselling, as I've kind of said multiple podcasts, maybe I'm just underselling the fact that because he can get those open looks, maybe I should put more stock into that. But how many NBA teams are actually just going to get him, let him get the same free runs to the basket that he got at LSU? Like, I, the NBA defenses are too good for that stuff, man. Like, we watch it like, you're Boston Celtics. They wouldn't let half of that shit fly that, that he got at LSU. Like, he'd be shut down. And when he's going up against similar sized guys, like a Boston, for example, or even like some of the guys on like Golden State, like these teams that are in the finals, like I just struggle to see where he fits in right now in a half court offense. And that's why like, he's a top 20 guy. I can see how it works, but I'm just, I'm not going to bet on him right now to return that type of value to where he's useful in those situations in the playoffs. The NBA will find your go-to move and they will make Shut you not, down. yeah, they will make you not know, have a go-to move anymore. So you better be ready for oh, something Oh, he can't else. go left. We talked, you and I have talked about that before. Yeah, that I, dude literally can't go left. It, it, he's, he's allergic to finishing that way and, and he's going to have to figure out how to do that or else yeah. every single defense is going to be like, the left is wide open if you want it. <laughs> like they're going to say, you got to do it. I, I, I like him. He's going to have to buy his role. He, and that could swing everything about his draft stock. He needs to convince these teams that he is willing to buy into his role at yep. the next level. Cause it's not going to be the guy. No nope. one's going to draft him and be like, you're the guy, here's the ball. They're going to say, Hey, you need to play good defense. Um, help us out with, you know, strategic minutes like in the rotation and and you will groom into something down the road and, and coaches aren't going to let him just rove around all over the place to right for steals like they're right. going to be like no you have to go here because everybody else is rotating this way you have to play to our system yes we're not going to let you be the system on the defensive end because he's a gambling man on yes. defense and and yes he was very impressive um especially his numbers like coming off the bench this year for lsu you look at him and you see his per minutes and you're like my goodness but you also see on film he is gambler yeah. and in the nba level if you do that a couple of times they're gonna be like there's the bench like no we need to play system 
basketball and, and not have everyone just, you know, hung out to dry because you're trying to get that steal. Um, he just, I agree. He needs to get coached, but he's going to need to be patient and buy into his role. And he has the talent. There's no denying that, but um, I, I still believe it. I believe him towards the teens compared to the lottery makes more sense to me. Like if, if someone took him, you know, in the top, if, if he went to like Charlotte with one of those picks, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be like, Hey, you got two picks and you really like the kid. I understand it. I'd also like, be nervous as shit. If he yes, went to Charlotte, because yes. him, him and speaking of gamblers, that's exactly <laughs> what LaMelo does on the defensive end too. Yes. Now you got two of those guys, which it's great. Like LaMelo six, seven, Tari six, eight, plenty of length out there. Like that's great in theory, but talk about habits. Like, especially with like a new, new coach coming that's going to have to come in. We don't even know who that guy's going to be yet. Like I I'd be nervous. I, if it, if it works, it would like absolutely pop because him and LaMelo in transition and miles bridges on the other side and whatever big they decide to plug in. Like, I get it. Like it'd be terrifying for the other team, but they're man. Talk, talk about a potential headache from a yes. coaching standpoint. If like that's, you got to figure out how to put all those puzzle pieces together and work with those guys individually to get them all to buy into doing the same thing. Exactly. So it, like, I, I, I think him going to Atlanta would be awesome. Like I think that, it'd be great that, for him. Yeah. That, that, that'd be a good fit. That'd be a good fit. Cause that, that whole team said, they like to go Maverick in, in a different way though than the Hornets. Like, I, I think it would be a little bit more controlled. And I think he'd be a great fit. They talk about another point guard next to him who could get him the ball and lobs and whatever in transition. Like, yeah, that, that would be a good fit for him. Um, I keep coming, man, if he slid, wouldn't he be really fun for somebody like somebody like Dallas? Wouldn't he be really fun at like 26? If he really took a slide, he's not going to take a slide that far, but like, no, that Dallas, Miami, like those are the types of teams like I would love for him to go to. Because then I think he would be coached in the best way. He'd be weaponized in the best way. Like, that'd be really scary. But some of these teams in the lottery that just have these, these supporting cast members that I just don't know if they have the infrastructure to support a gambler. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a whole damn debate. We could, we could sit here and talk about that for hours. But yeah. You, you, you got a finals game to watch. We got we to No, we're it. good. Come on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's draft season. I'm always talking drafts. Yeah. We're recording this sun, Sunday night. You, you'll be hearing this the, the next morning, but we're recording yeah. this Sunday night. It's game two. It's, it's Rutgers-Celtics. They did had to get me before the game because if you got me after the game, I might have said two words if, if it was a blowout. We, we, we had to start this podcast at the right time because we know how <laughs> these go. and We got to be done before before the big game. I want to watch too. I, I yeah. think, of course, it's the finals. Man. Come on, but. All right, 17, this is your guy. This has become my guy. I I I like these next three. This is a good – I like this big board. You know what you're doing. This is nice. I've somehow become one of the biggest trumpeteers for this guy. No ceilings. I don't even know how the hell it happened. But, like, we're here. So we kind of just got to embrace it. But Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara at 17, that seemed viciously high, like, three weeks ago. And then – then everybody started really digging back into the film a few weeks leading into the combine. The college season's wrapped up. Everybody's got more time in their hands to go back and watch some film. They don't have to keep up with all the live action, the tournament stuff going on. It's like, man, why are we talking about this guy more? And I know you, 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 you were on it from the start. You've had good intel from behind the scenes all year long. It's like, 
make sure you're paying attention to Jalen Williams in Santa Clara. And you brought him to our attention. You wrote a piece about him. You're, you're like the main guy in No Ceilings who's really been on his bandwagon. But I feel like us as a collective really got in before a lot of other people did. And then it's, it's where we start tinkering with our boards and we look at the games of all these other prospects that I have like behind Jalen Williams. The comfort level I have in what Jalen Williams can do today and also what he can become in the future, I think is why I have him at 17. Like I just have the confidence level in this guy compared to some of the other prospects that we can talk about. Like Ochai Abaji is probably a better natural shooter than Jalen Williams. Tari Eason's a better athlete than Jalen Williams. But Jalen Williams' operation in the half court is better than both those guys because of the connectivity, because of the pick and roll stuff, the craft scoring, the basketball in the lane, the passing ability. Like those are things some of these other guys don't have. And I see them popping at the NBA level with the right team. And we look at some of these teams in like that, that 13 to 17, 18 range. There's some good teams that could really use what he can bring to the table. Like I mocked him to Charlotte on, on the draft deeper mock and everybody could have thought like 15, that's really freaking high to take them. But you know what? Charlotte can't blow those picks. They got to nail those picks because they got LaMelo. They have a potentially franchise changing star. Like the pressure's on man. Top, clock's ticking. They got to get a coach in and they got to start bringing in some more talent. They got to start winning basketball games to, to really keep the positive momentum going. Cleveland. Man, wouldn't Cleveland like to have somebody like Jalen Williams? Like, they they don't have a two-guard on the roster. I mean, Karis LeVert's more of like a three. But even 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 if he's in the lineup, you want to slide him in the two-guard, fine. And when is he ever in the lineup? He's there for like half the games. Like, like LeVert notwithstanding, they don't have another two-guard on the roster who could do a lot of what Jalen Williams could do. Atlanta at 16. Man, wouldn't they love to have somebody like Jalen Williams who can bring that length defensively he knows where he needs to be and then he can keep the ball moving and humming with everybody else in that offense Houston man wouldn't Houston I'd like to have another wing like him he's only 6'5 but he's got that 7'2 wingspan can cover the ground can cover multiple positions can do all the things in a half-court offense that Houston I think would like to incorporate more of like Chicago Minnesota San Antonio Denver like you reel off the teams who's really going to say no to the package that he brings to the table that's why I have him at 17. And I'm assuming you, you would agree for a lot of the same reasons. A hundred percent. You know, I, I, you said the last team you said, I think still is a wild card, even though they have 15 guards, I think San Antonio could be all over Jalen Williams because they could just love the type of player. San Antonio is not going to pass up a guy that can just flat out play because they have a roster that has a lot of players. They're going to be like, Nope. That's exactly what we want. We want that guy because he has the tools to be a spur for 10 plus years and we'll figure everything else down the road. But, um, you know, exactly what you hinted at beginning of the year, we're trying to figure out like who, who the prospects be watching, you know, um, me and, you know, Nathan, we watch as much film as anyone. And in our entire no ceilings crew, like it's hard to keep up with every single prospect in the country. Cause there's so many teams. So, um, I, I talked to someone in the industry and I was just like, give me a guy that no one's talking about. Like, just give me someone that you're, you're excited about, like that I need to be looking out for. And they, the guy said, Hey, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara guard, keep an eye on him. Like, and what did I do? I went home and the next morning I'm up at 6.00 AM. I'm watching Jalen Williams, Santa Clara film. And I was like, Whoa, okay. This is something. And then I'm here, I'm seeing like, everyone's like, Oh, you know, 50 to 60. I'm like, excuse me. And then I just kept watching and 
I was like, this could be something. And, and I looked at You the started schedule. playing the seeds. You started like put him in the 40s and then you put him in the 30s. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and, like by the time everybody else is coming around, like you already had him in the 20s. And it's just like you just kept moving him up and moving him up and moving him up. And it's like we have questions about these other guys that we don't have the same questions about. Jay. Like Jalen Williams probably is not going to go near the lottery in like a better draft class, right? Like a better draft year. But in this type of year, this is the type of guy that can just rise because we have the fewest question marks about compared to some other guys. It, it, you know what it is, Nathan, too, is like he was impressing before I had like did a, done a deep dive into his film, and then he had games coming up that were big. Like it was like versus Gonzaga, like against St. Mary's, and I was like, all right, well, show me. You, show me, show me what you got. Can you can you still perform against the big guys? And like and he, he was, he was doing yeah. it. He was showing up and. They they lost a lot of those games and were getting blown out, but like he was. Yeah, but he dude, he's the dude, and that yes. that's the other thing too. Like he did everything that he did. Like he's the dude. He's not going to have to do like sixty percent of the stuff that he did at Santa Clara on an NBA floor. Like him in a more simplified role will just take better advantage of what he does best. Like yeah, that that's a really good like fourth fifth option that you want to have in in your starting lineup. Hit. The thing with him and, and for everyone wondering, like, why is he such a hot name? It's you have to understand he's a versatile weapon that teams are going to drool over because he's six, six. So he checks the bar, the box with size. He's got freakish length. So every team's going to love that. He can handle the ball as a point guard. So there you go. He can bring the ball up. He could be a pick and roll guy. He can also shoot the crap out of the ball from off of it. And then he's so lengthy, you could even play a small ball three if you want. Now, I'm not saying teams are going to do that, but he has offensive versatility. He could score at three levels. And, you know, I've seen him take over games from shooting from outside where he's just NBA jam mode, like can't miss. He's pulling up from deep. And then um, I watched a full game at the end of the year. They were playing St. Mary's. They ended up winning. It was an upset game, but he like – dominated the game as a playmaker he was and oh just, by the way oh. he just he just dominated the combine too like yes. this is a dude so, he didn't have to show up and play in those games but he did and he worked everybody yes in, in, in those combine games like that, this that, dude belongs that saint mary's game he had 18 10 and four steals and he was seven for 10 from the field and i i left that game going this kid just dominated all over the place in so many levels he was efficient um, I think that game, he hit a game winner, like at the end of the buzzer too, like a floater. So I was like, oh yeah, pretty good game. Like seven for 10 with 18, 10 and four steals, uh, 18, uh, 10 assists, by the way, not rebounds, assists. So he just, the biggest thing, Nathan, is what you just did. You ran through all those teams and like, yeah, they could use Jalen Williams. Yeah, they could use Jalen. You're going to see that. You could go through everywhere. Like it. <laughs> They're not going to take him probably, but the Knicks could use Jalen Williams. Like, it's just, you go through the list and you're like, every team could use what he has to offer. And I still think he has a lot of upside and um, he's going to make the next team a lot better. So I wouldn't be shocked if he went to like Charlotte with one of those picks because he's also offering upside, but potentially a high floor because he yep. can do a lot of stuff and impact in, in a number of different ways. So who do, who do you him. trust on the floor? You trust him or James Booknight? Like I actually I trust Jalen Williams on the floor more than James Booknight. Right, and it and it's because Jalen could score. He when he wants, he can get his bucket. He's shifty. He's got that great feel for the game. But well, he, he also really understands. Pass. Yes, he he understood that St. Mary's game. For anyone listening, if you go watch it, he understood his teammate was hot. 
So in fast breaks, he was like, where is he? Where is he? And he like, he would a couple times give him a little handoffs for wide open three. Like he understands the feel of the yeah. game. He understands how to make his team roll. So that's why I think he's buzzing. That's why I think teams are drooling over him because kid could play and, and the kid could play and make an impact without scoring. And that's big. Um, and I still think he's got tons of upside. All right. These last two guys, speaking of upside, the, these two are at this point, like me having a more idea, they're swings. Like they are, they are big swings. Let's, let's not undersell it. I, I think they're justified swings, but, but they're pretty big. Jaden Hardy at 16 and Usman Jang at 15. Big swings. Takes big balls to, to, to rank those guys there because not all the film looks squeaky clean like some of these other guys below them who we could point out. Like Tari Eason probably has a better year of film than both of those guys. EJ Liddell, we know, has a better year of film than those guys. Um, but the ceiling that those two could possibly hit. I mean, Jane Hardy could be like a combo guard who can just completely light it up 20 plus points in the NBA every single night. It's like, what are we talking about? Whether he's a starter or he's coming off the bench, it doesn't matter where he's starting the game. It's going to matter where he's ending the game and how many minutes he's playing. He's probably still going to play 28, 32 minutes a night. And Usman Jang, the same way. He could be, I think he's he's not only got starter upside, I think he's one of these guys towards the back in the lottery. I could talk myself in the star upside, which is kind of what I said to some of the Rockets guys when I was on um, a podcast um, with some of with some of Rockets Twitter. We were ranking some of the wings in this range. And I had Jang as 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 my top wing out of some of the guys we were talking about, like Jang, we were talking about Jalen Williams, Tari Eason, Ochai Abaji. Like I had Jang as the top one, and they were kind of like taken back a little bit by it, but when actually laid out the case for why they're like, oh, this act, this actually makes a lot of sense. Um, my question for you, we won't, we won't deep dive the both of them, but my question for you is who would you rather have between those guys? I know oh, it's not a direct boy. positional comparison, but like by, by where you're thinking for your board and kind of like that range, like that, that 13, 18, 19, 20 range, like who would you rather have for your money? Because by my ranking, I would rather have Jane, but I think there's an interesting case to be made for the other side. Oh boy. <laughs> you really hitting me there. I, I had, I had to end the pod on a, on a curveball. The game, we, I got to get you thinking deep about the game but before you go into the finals and you start breaking yourself down and really trying to analyze the chess moves and on the biggest stage. Okay. I got to give you a little warm up. I would lean hardy. And that's my yeah. hot take. And yeah. I love Zhang. I was very, very, very impressed, shocked, pleasantly surprised, whatever you want to say, whatever phrase you want to use this time of the year about Zhang's just complete shift of how he all of a sudden was like a guy I thought couldn't declare. And then all of a sudden, just a, a light switch yeah. happened. And now it's like lottery. Like, that's what I was like. I watched and I was like, that's a lottery pick. Listen, man, there's some shit that he did second year in some of those games offensively where you're like, there's some like Paul George type shit here. And yeah. like, not, not that I'm, I'm never going to compare anybody probably to Paul George. Actually, yeah. But like, um, just in terms of like some of the things that he did in, the, in a game, like, wow, that's like star caliber stuff if this all breaks right. I'm 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 mainly doing Hardy because I think you need it for this episode. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bait. I'm gonna go with it. But I love Hardy. I've been buying all year. I I still believe. The thing with Jang is, 
he's gonna be a while. He's gonna take a while. He's got to marinate. He's gonna marinate. His confidence is gonna be everything. He needs someone to install confidence rapidly. And I don't know if that means playing in the NBA right away. That might you, be. You know what? You, you know what you need to do. You need to. Speaking of getting yourself ready for the finals and your Boston Celtics, you you need to you need to strap down Jang to a chair, lock him down, and just make him watch what Jason Tatum's done all year. Yeah. And just like bake that into his brain when you talk about confidence, because it's all it's all those same things. Like when you stop settling for a lot of those tough pull up shots, and he gets downhill. And then you start to add in two, three years down the road when he's physically ready to do more of those things. Like that's, that's what we're talking about. Like that's really going to be the make or breaks thing for him. So I agree with you. It is going to be a lot about confidence with him. And the thing with Hardy is he Hardy, he showed, he showed throughout the year that he got better in a lot of areas yeah, he that he needed a lot of weaknesses and Hardy's going to, Hardy's going to go to war with anyone. Like, yeah. I, and, and I think that's big when you're, if I'm gambling on a guy, I want the guy that's saying, I don't care who's across from me. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to, I'm going to attack. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm, I'm going to be me. Zhang showed this year. He could get a little hesitant. He could get a little, you know, shy away from contact. And, and it's just the body needs time to mature, develop. And that could happen easily. And we could look back at this in a couple of years. And Zhang's uh, looking like a, a perennial all-star and Hardy fanned out. And I'm like, well, I looked like an idiot, but I just saw too many flashes from Hardy throughout the year. I think he can shoot the cover off the ball and he's got that upside to if he goes to the right team and they play him off the ball, he could all of a sudden just be like, he's, he's always, he's always bigger than I think he is. Yes. Like even when we saw him in like the clutch pro day stuff, like man, that, that kid is big. Like he is built for six, four. Yes. And, and he sh could shoot the shit out of the ball, Nathan. And like that, yeah. some team is going to be like, this kid could shoot and, and all we have to do is run him off away from the ball. And, and he's going to, someone's drafting him early. I don't care. And I'm not saying top 10, but someone's going to draft him in the top 25. Like and, someone's and buying for sure. We can, we can downplay the type of player that he is. All we want these, these bucket getters, these shooters who aren't really defenders or high level passers or what, whatever you want to say, but those, man, those guys end up getting paid. Don't they? Like yes. Buddy Heald ends up getting paid a, a bundle of money. Colin Sexton is coming off an injury, probably still going to get paid a bundle of money by somebody. Like these guys find homes in the NBA for years, regardless, because at the end of the day, you got to fit different pieces around and kind of play your lineups and your matchups and play the game of chess. But you also just need guys at one point who can just put the ball in the damn basket. And like, we know Hardy's going to be able to do that for an NBA team. If, if, if teams are convinced that he's going to buy into the role, like I could see San Antonio drafting him because I could just see San Antonio be like, we need guys who can score whenever yeah, boy, they need offense. In the, in they the need offense. Way. And that's the upside swing. And they're like, Hey, if he buys into us or this system, this culture, like we put him off the bench and he just runs off screens and shoots the lights at like, now we could say that because San Antonio has three picks. We could say they can go in any direction, but um, I still, it's a great debate because I, I think everyone would quickly say Zhang. I love his tools, but I think Hardy, someone's going to be buying. I would not be shocked if someone tried to trade up for him. I would not be surprised if someone laughed when he was still on the board and we're like, yeah, we'll take him. Thank you. You Appreciate know, it. you know, for a lot of the reasons I, I, along with Corey have kind of been trumpeteering the, uh, the Malachi Branham to, to New York Knicks talk, not to, you know, spoiler alert for the next podcast, but 
man, you could talk yourself into Jane Hardy for the Knicks yes. and a lot of the yes, same you, could. you know, who'd be built for the bright lights in New York. That yes. I, I, every single time I've started talking to myself about Branham's and Knicks, then in the back of my mind, I'm like, what? Why, why not? Am Jane I talking Hardy? about Hardy? <laughs> like, it's like, what's going on here? I'm literally talking perfectly about Hardy. So I just could see someone buying into like, Hey, he's got the right mentality. That's what the Knicks need. They need a guy that could just come in and be like, I'm the off of RJ Barrett. And when I'm open, just give me the ball. I'll take care of it. Like, um, but I will, I will say this. If some of these other guards are off the board and Philly still has the pick at 23 and Jane no, Hardy somehow takes a slide, please, God, God, let him, please, please. Talk I about mean, it. perfect. I mean, shit. Like we, the, I don't think people realized how much that team missed Seth Curry. And now you're talking about like an even more amped up version of Seth Curry. Like if everything yeah. breaks right and like, maybe it's not perfect in year one, but like, he's at least going to be able to play on the court. Like he's not going to be a liability on an NBA floor in year one. And then you start looking at the type of value that he could start to give back to that team around some of those guys in like year two, year three on the type of contract that he would be on being picked in that range. Like I, I've got, if I was Maury, I would absolutely run to the podium. And what, why do I feel like something like that could actually happen? Why do I feel like he's, he's the, he's the Tyrese Maxey that just like slides and, all of a sudden everybody looks around like shit. Why wasn't he taking the lottery? I think, it, to it. I think it could happen. Um, Metcalf talking before he's like, why wouldn't he go to Chicago at 18? And I was like, you can start saying that about any team after the lottery. Like, why couldn't he go there? Cause if he got past Denver at 21 and all of a sudden it's the gauntlet of Memphis, Philly, Milwaukee, and then down you get to Dallas, like every team right there might be like foaming at the mouth. So I could see it. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. He's, he's another name that I think has a very wide range. It would not shock me if we get a little buzz the week before or something that's like Hardy, he's going to go a little earlier than everyone's expecting. I don't see him getting out of the top 26. <laughs> like if he, we should all pray for mercy if he gets to the Miami Heat at 27 in that range with the Golden State Warriors potentially there too to take him up. I would be like, oh boy, here we go. So um, I'm proud of you for having him there, Nathan. That, 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 that's, a, that's a big deal. Thank you so much. You just made my day. And that's, that's going to do it for us breaking down these guys in this episode of the podcast. So one more time, I'll just run through this portion of the rankings. So thir uh, 30. I have Peyton Watson, 29, Kennedy Chandler, 28, Nikola Jovic, 27, Max Christie, 26, Dalen Terry, 25, Marshawn Beauchamp, 24, Patrick Baldwin, 23, Blake Wesley, 22, Ty Ty Washington, 21, EJ Liddell, 20, Bryce McGowan's 19, Ochai Abaji, 18, Tari Eason, 17, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, 16, Jaden Hardy out of the G League United. And wrapping up this, portion Usman Jang at 15 anybody on the board who you think like man Nathan you you, you should have had him higher anybody who just stands out hmm you know it was funny because looking at some of them when we first started I was like whoa you got him you got him low you should have had him up more and then I go look at my big board and I was like oh I had him there too you have him in the same like the same like, range yeah one or two off too so um no I I like it all um it, it's it's funny because like I 
I looked at like Ochai when you had him at 19. I was like, what? I have him at like 16. And I looked and I was like, oh, I had him at 18. So it's just, it's, that's the range this year, Nathan. Like it, it really is. Um, you know, for as out as I've been on Blake Wesley, I still think he's going to be a first round pick. So I, I like that you had him there. That That's sticking to your guns. I, I love it. It was a good one. I, I'm happy that you had me on to do this. Absolutely. And you'll be back again to cover, cover the lottery. We'll do yes. part two next week, but until then, I certainly want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast and thank you, Tyler, for coming on and talking to it's much better when I have somebody to talk to in my paper versus me just sitting there for an hour, just rambling for, for my audience. That's, that's so fun for everybody. Come on, but got yeah. got to put the content out. Got to give, got to give the people what they want to have a guest on. So just do your plug, do what you do every time you come on this podcast, where, where can you find you? What, what, what the hell have we been up to? What are we going to be up to? Um, I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter and you could find me also at backcourt V. Um, if you guys haven't checked out no ceilings, NBA.com, we just released the draft guide. Thank yes, you everyone did. for the support. It's been awesome. We also released some merch and a lot of people have been attacking that. It's just been very cool. This whole process. So thanks everyone. Um, most importantly, thanks Nathan for having me on. I have a feeling we have a good, good week coming up at no ceiling. So it's going to be some exciting times. We have we have an action packed three weeks coming yes. up and no ceilings. This whole stretch leading up to the lottery. Trust me, we have plenty of content planned for you guys across all of our podcast feeds, across our YouTube channel, across the Substack. Trust me, there's so much coming. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA so you know when all of it drops. Make sure you're subscribed to the Substack, no It's free to sign up if you haven't done so already. So please go ahead and do so if you want to show us support, as Tyler said. Buy a copy of the draft guide. Buy some merch. We we've appreciated everything that's already happened since we launched, and we can only hope for for more continued success on both of those fronts. We had plenty of people who wanted to show us support. We opened up the floodgates. If you, if you feel encouraged and kind enough to do so, so please go ahead check those things out. No ceilings NBA.bigcartel.com if you would like to purchase any of that. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Make sure you subscribe to the Draft Deeper podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Have some excellent shows planned, not only the rest of this week, but I will be getting the rest of my No Ceilings brethren on to talk about their guys. So can't wait for all of those podcasts on top of some of the ones I have lined up with some interesting guests leading up to the draft. But until then, thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. 